I'm here today in our main church auditorium and can you believe it's been over a month since we were gathered here together on a Sunday. Uh, I cannot wait for us to be together again and to meet as church. Uh, there's something special, there's something amazing about when the church is gathered. The church grows as it is knit together, as it's built together. Having to stay apart like we have done seems so foreign to the New Testament and indeed to us. But what is so heartening in this season is the church being the church. Uh, with the sense of loss and the nearness of pain and brokenness and suffering that we all feel at this moment in time, the church is being salt and light in our world. The missiologist Leslie Newbegin notes that a community of people that in the midst of all the pain and sorrow and wickedness of the world is continually praising God is the first obvious result of living by another story that the one our world lives by. Right now, we as the church are telling another beautiful story. And the brilliance of Christianity is turning our challenges into the gold of a Christ-like character. Our current realities right now are being turned into discipleship resources. I love our church and I love the church. And one of the things uh, we had actually planned to launch in April was that we were gonna pray for a local church in the city of Hull every single month. So many of our churches in our city and beyond are doing so many wonderful things at this time. And those pastors that are struggling with bad internet and an empty room are carrying the burden of their church, uh, the love for their church, for their own families, and they are absolute heroes. I know I'm not speaking today to actually an empty room because in my mind's eye, in my heart, I still see you as the church. I see you struggling and serving. I see you hurting and I see you helping. May you know Jesus in this time is more than life itself. May you know the presence and the peace of God in the midst of this pandemic. Christianity does not come to the self-sufficient. It begins always with a spirit of need and destitution. And I'm so encouraged by what our church is doing in playing our part in this season. I love this story that came into us from one of our nurses in our church. She said this, it's a really strange situation on the wards because the patients aren't allowed visitors. We can make exceptions for end of life patients, but unfortunately a lot of these elderly patients have relatives that are very high risk themselves. So most of them die without any relatives present. So the staff on our ward try and take it in turn to sit with them because no one should die alone. Yesterday, I had the absolute privilege of sitting with and praying for a patient in their final hours. I mean, you kind of got a captive audience at that point, but still, he definitely seemed more at peace afterwards and squeezed my hand as I was praying. God is definitely on the move. Here's another one. 
Hey guys, we dropped off gifts and a note to around 50 houses on our street. Definitely something is stirring at the moment through simple acts of kindness and reaching out to our neighbors. I love that as a church, we wrote 230 Easter cards for the folk in local residential homes. Hundreds of food parcels have been distributed in our city and are making a difference. We got a call today from a mum whose daughter has an autoimmune disease and they are self-isolating, living in a high-rise flat. And they rang to say, look, can we help them? Can we get some food to them? Of course, we said, yes, we have volunteers in our church now doing deliveries all across the city. And this coming week, I'll be in a van distributing food and gifts across the city. I remember reading once so inspired by a church in Los Angeles. Uh, it was called the Los Angeles Dream Center. And the pastor, who is a pastor of Church of Thousands, um, he would have his desk outside the building. He would have his desk outside the church building because it was the church that never slept. It was always meeting the needs of the community and reaching people with the gospel of Jesus. I really pray and hope that these are the beginnings of those kind of days. Thousands of homes have been connected with through our Love Your Neighbour initiative, homes becoming drop-off points for streets to drop their food off to help people. There's a spike in spiritual curiosity in this time. Just take our Easter service last week, our Tri Church online. We had nearly 3,000 people view our worship and the Easter message. There is such an openness of people amongst our neighbors and even in the queues for shops. But what I love is the church community and their engagement. The little nudges that people have felt to call someone at just the right time when they were struggling. Someone concerned enough just to drop a meal off or a gift at someone's house. Our home group gatherings midweek have grown so much that they are multiplying. People of no faith joining our prayer meetings online. Local businesses offering to help. Yes, people are struggling. People are suffering. But I believe adversity always helps us to become overcomers. Our mission as a church has never been more important. People are realizing two things in this pandemic. They're realizing that they are not in control and they're realizing that one day they will die. The Christian story is this, the founding facts are this, God is in control and Jesus defeated death. So it's a wonderful opportunity to share the good news of Jesus in this time. I believe in this time also is a wonderful opportunity for us as Christians, as followers of Christ, to learn some stuff in our discipleship that we would never ever have learned unless we were facing what we are facing. In every plane and indeed many ships, there is what is called a black box. The black box is designed to store data on the inner workings on the plane in case of an emergency. When the plane enters a crisis or a crash, the black box would survive and provide a story. 
it will provide information on what went on during that difficult moment. Every human, I believe, deep on the inside of our souls has, if you like, a black box. Our inner world is being shaped by millions of things, actions and attitudes, thoughts and the choices that we make, our perspectives frame the narrative that we believe which directs the decisions that we make. So let me ask you a question today. How is your black box? Deep down in the depths of who you are, how are you doing? How is your soul doing at this time? When a plane would crash, they would be able to identify from the data stored within the black box what went wrong, where they were even conversations that were taking place. In moments like this, we find ourselves in, it's easy to feel overwhelmed by all that is going on inside of us. It's easy to feel anxious and afraid and shaken. If someone looked into the black box of our lives, I wonder what they would see in this crisis and crash. Perpetually anxious about the future, constantly afraid for our security. I love thriller films. I love films that are full of suspense. I love the drama of not knowing what will happen. But my dad absolutely hates these kind of films. When we watch a thriller together, uh, he would always say, can you just play the tape forward? Can we just fast forward it? Does it end well? I need to know. I can't cope with the suspense. And I want to encourage you in this time to play the tape forward and to imagine that we're in 2021 and you look back on this time, on this crisis, and you look back from the future, how did you and I respond? If you were to look back at your journey through this, would it be marked inside your soul, inside your black box, if you like, with fear and worry? Or would it be marked with courage? Would it be imprinted with joy and love for our neighbours or stamped with self-preservation and isolation? Would you have grown throughout this period and gone deeper with God and closer to Jesus, more in love with his word, closer to your family and the streets that we live in or become surrounded with the isolation of anxiety. So for the next few weeks, I'm going to give you some simple concepts, some perspectives or thoughts that I believe we need to have in our black box, so to speak. And if we feel right now that we don't have these things, then maybe God is highlighting some stuff to us. Maybe God is speaking to us in this time about growing in some of these areas. So we can look back and we can say, during that time in 2020, I really learned this lesson about myself, about God and about life. I think in a time of crisis, God would have us learn and grow in the whole area of patience. Patience. As you look in the black box of your life, the inner workings of your being and your soul, do you have patience? Now, anyone who knows me knows that I'm not gifted in the whole area of DIY. Uh, my wife and my kids do all the DIY in our home. Trust me, um, at my funeral in the eulogies, no one will mention John Clark 
and a toolbox in the same sentence. But over the Easter weekend at home, my daughter, who is two, decided this was the time for her to start climbing out of her cot at night and at a nap time during the day. So the inevitable jobs needed to be done. So with the help of my 11-year-old daughter and my friend Tom from church on a Zoom call, I put up a baby gate. Now, I'll be honest, within 10 minutes, I wasn't coping. My patience was non-existent. But after about an hour and a half, I think it was, the job was done and I had such a sense of accomplishment. So much so that the next morning, I actually woke up with a strong desire to use a drill again. I can honestly say in my entire life, I've never had that feeling or that thought before first thing in the morning. By the end of the weekend, I had fitted three baby gates, a patio table, some cupboards, painted a shed, some garden furniture, and learned how to play a new board game, all of which took great patience. I'm not great with DIY. I'm terribly slow at understanding instructions for board games. But the sense of accomplishment and the lessons learned were so worth it. Now, when the Bible talks about patience, it's not talking about how to play Ticket to Ride or Risk or how to put a shelf up. It's more talking about patience in suffering or in trial. What the root word means in the New Testament is to remain under, to sit still, if you like, to let your words be few, as it says in Ecclesiastes, to be steadfast, to be long-suffering, to have self-restraint in the place and face of suffering. The psalmist would say to wait patiently. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is this patience. And this is what the Spirit wants to grow in us and bring us a sense of centeredness and persistence in our walk with Christ. And when this fruit of the Holy Spirit is hurled against the flesh within us, it they kind of turns into grenades in God's battle to redeem the world. It's like a conquering constancy. Patient people do good and what is right, no matter what their circumstance is. They are focused and full of vision because they know what needs to be done. Maybe we can see this as we have a unique perspective as followers of Jesus because of his promises. We are called to patiently endure the trial and opposition and persecution because we know there is something better in the future. It's not passive resignation at the circumstance. It's not about being inactive until the storm passes. It's not cowardice or throwing in the towel or, or living in splendid isolation. But the Spirit inspires us within to an active resistance to evil and the flesh. For a hyperspeed culture of connectivity, the slow and steady pace of discipleship can seem glacial. We're seeing with technology more and more the omnipresent screens and continual scrolling, but the Christian life in its silences and pauses can seem deafening. But this, I believe, is where Jesus does his best work within us. This is where he produces and grows and develops 
patience in our lives. It's only often in discomfort and suffering that Christ develops in Christians maturity and Christ-likeness. Saints, hear me. The Christians in the West, you and I, are dying from unhindered comfort, which makes us spiritually sick. A lack of hardship always weakens our resilience. I believe we are born for struggle and created for a fight, to be formed in great battle. And I think for many of us, we've forgotten how to fight. We've forgotten that we're in a battle and we've presumed peace and our spiritual armour is gathering dust in the corner of a room. This battle that we now face, I believe, has displaced our comfort and has shaken our futile hopes and gives us an opportunity to awaken our faith again, to repent, to battle the flesh within. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit within us. One of my favourite authors, Watchman Nee, is like a brother and a mentor in these times. And he was in prison, separated from his family, denounced by his friends. And he said this, the soul which comes under the Holy Spirit's authority is a restful one. May you know this power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and may this power with our yielding produce such a patience that whatever storm may come, we will not be shaken. As James says, may we count it pure joy when we face trials. The book of Hebrews 12 comes right after, um, in Hebrews 11, that wonderful list of uh, heroes of faith. But in Hebrews 12, the right actually gives us the keys to live a life of faith. Gives three instructions. He says to look back at the cloud of witnesses, to remember them, to be inspired by them to look forward to the race ahead of you with vision and focus and to look up to Jesus. About him it says this, for the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Twice it states the word endured. As we endure this time, may we see the redemptive work of God in us producing steadfast patience. Allow this kind of biblical perspective and viewpoint and this time that we're in to slow down as we wash our hands, as we uh, take that walk, as we talk to someone on the phone, as we spend time with Jesus, as we're filled with the Spirit of God. It says in Isaiah that those who keep in perfect peace are those whose thoughts are fixed on God. Think about this. Why worry about money when Jesus will give you the whole earth as your inheritance? Why are you worried about your position at work when you are going to reign in God's kingdom forever? Why are you worried about your health when God has guaranteed eternal life? Focus your trust on him, not on your life. Allow his perspective to work patience and long-suffering in you. 
maybe this pandemic has taught us that, you know what, we weren't quite as patient as we thought. Maybe by God's grace, he is applying salve to our eyes, ointment to our eyes so that we can see again. Thomas Akempis, the Christian author, counsels us, it is good for us to encounter troubles and adversities from time to time. For trouble often compels a man to search his own heart. It reminds him that he is in exile here and that he can put his trust in nothing in this world. I think patience at its core is all about where I place my trust. So we're in this season, it's probably revealing that we don't do stillness or we don't do waiting well. We want to problem solve our way out of everything. But can we trust God to look out for us better than I can? Impatience is a Trojan horse for pride. And pride at its heart is self-sufficiency. This is a great time to allow God to work patience and trust into the black box of our souls. And my prayer for you in this season and my prayer for myself is that we would allow this redemptive work in our hearts, that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what we're facing, that we would know the work of the Spirit within us producing steadfastness and patient endurance. I'd love to close with a prayer. Father God, we just thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our hearts at this time. I pray that we would have ears to hear what you're saying. We'd have eyes to see what you're doing. I pray that you'd give us hearts of compassion and mercy in this time. I pray that you would fill us now with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we don't look to our own um, self-will and self-help self-sufficiency. God, we look to you. We look to you and we ask that you would fill us with your presence and with your power. And that, Lord, you would use us in this time. And I pray, Lord, for that redemptive work that you're doing in our lives right now. I pray that we would, that we would see that, that work of patience in our lives and every trial and every test and every situation we would just see what you're doing and allow that process to happen and god we pray for every church in our city we pray that in this time they would know your blessing that they would know your favor in this time of adversity that they would know health and growth and your protection in jesus name we pray amen thanks for listening church god bless